0: Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR, talent, and leadership communities to you. For more episodes and the latest articles covering what's new in the world of work, visit HRGazette.com, subscribe, and follow us on social media. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And in this episode, we're going to focus on the challenges related to attracting, hiring and onboarding sales professionals. Joining me on the show today is a psychologist and sales assessment expert, Dr. Christopher Croner. Dr. Croner is co-author of the book, Never Hire a Bad Salesperson Again, detailing his research and practice in identifying the non-teachable personality traits common to top producers. Hey, Chris, welcome to the show today.
1: Bill, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm very much looking forward to being of service to you and your audience.
0: So beyond my reintroduction there, why don't you start by taking a minute or two, introducing yourself to our audience, and also telling them a bit about the mission of Sales Drive LLC.
1: Thank you. Yes, the mission of Sales Drive is to help companies uh, hire salespeople, particularly hunter salespeople, uh, with the non-teachable characteristics essential for success in that role using our online assessment. Of those characteristics it is my life's work the past 20 years it's what I have been dedicated to the research and practice in this area how do you identify someone with those non-teachable traits when you think about somebody who's going to be effective in their role as a salesperson particularly as a new account acquisition specialist they have to go out knock on a door if you will whether that's in person or over the phone sometimes get that door slammed in their face then have to knock on the next door with that much more certainty and passion and conviction and psychologically, that's a very special person. So we work with over 1,400 companies worldwide, and it's my pleasure to be of service to continue to help companies to identify the people that will succeed in that role.
0: Eden Workplace is the complete suite of workplace software for the modern hybrid company. Through a modular offering of workplace solutions, team members can easily book desks, manage visitors, schedule conference rooms, and process internal support tickets, while also putting employee and office health and safety at the forefront of office re-entry planning. To learn more, visit Edenworkplace.com. You actually just uh, shed a little bit of light on, on this idea of what a what a hunter salesperson is. But you know, the podcast we're doing today, Chris, it's it's primarily for HR pros, talent pros, and leaders, maybe not all of them. Are familiar with these sales terms. So um, perhaps you could start them by explaining the difference between hunters and farmers and how each fits into sales efforts of a company.
1: Of course, of course. So both of those terms, hunter and farmer, are sort of shorthand for the sales responsibilities that the person has. So the person whom we refer to as a hunter is the individual whose responsibility is, again, new account acquisition. They have to go out and bring in new accounts. Or in some cases, as some companies will describe it, they have to hunt within existing accounts. They have to grow existing accounts. So the job of the hunter or the person engaged in a quote-unquote hunting activity is to bring in new business. Whereas the farmer, if you will, is the individual whose job it is to to deal with existing customers to make sure that existing clients are happy to deal with many sort of customer service activities and make sure that uh, those existing clients stay on board uh, both of those activities are critical both the hunting activities and the farming activities and both of them require different mixes of characteristics both of them are essential and they work together very well because not only do we want to bring on new, new accounts but we want to make sure that we retain all of those accounts and it's that retention that is the responsibility of the farmer so then looking at the dichotomy between those two and what's required for both of those positions, it's that hunter side that typically requires a little bit more of that non-teachable element that we can talk about, those three non-teachable uh, characteristics that we've identified uh, that particularly lead to someone being successful in that in that role of going out and acquiring new accounts, whereas the farmer uh, tends to focus on activities that may involve personality characteristics a little bit different, oftentimes things like relationship skills and organizational skills, both of which, again, are critical to making sure that we retain our existing clients. That's kind of the difference between hunter
0: and farmer. Excellent. And to use a bit of marketing speak, I think we could also uh, perhaps use terms like inbound and outbound but let's not let's not confuse ourselves without let's uh let's continue through um listen in the blurb of the uh of the description of, of your awesome book which we will get into later on uh it, it mentions in there that the cost of hiring and keeping a bad salesperson can range from six to seven figures annually chris talk to me about the financial and the time costs of making a bad sales hire
1: Oh, yes, goodness. Uh, And the, the six to seven figures, it really comes down to all of the elements that go into compensating that person. So there's the person's salary, of course, then there's the benefits that you pay them. Then there's the time that you spend bringing the person up to speed. Then there's the time that you spend managing them. Then there's the time that uh, that the person's out there in the field and not necessarily operating at full potential. In some cases, maybe potentially frustrating existing clients because they don't know the right things to do. They don't know how to support those accounts because they're not getting trained in the right way or they're, the right, they're not the right match for the role. So they're engaging in behavior in some cases that's very counterproductive and they'd be causing you to lose existing accounts that you worked so hard to gain in the past. So all of those factors come together from the person's financial compensation to their benefits. To the time you spend coaching them which of course the cost of your, your time can be astronomical over time uh, to the time again onboarding and then when, when the person is losing existing accounts that's that's all adding up to those six to seven figures annually which just again highlights the need to make sure that we're choosing people that have the right characteristics for the law i know when i'll give a presentation we'll often ask the group at the beginning how many of you have ever felt burned by someone who looked great in the interview, but ended up underperforming. And you should see, Bill, the amount of people that raise their hands, not only just just to acknowledge that they fall into that category, but with emotion, because they remember what happened. They remember the person coming on board being such a mismatch, and they remember the cost to them. Not only in terms of financially, even above and beyond that, just the cost of their own reputation as the hiring manager, if you will. So all of those things come together, and yes, it is quite
0: a substantial cost excellent thank you uh, i feel a bit bad now because you did mention uh, in in your first answer there this has been your life's work however i'm going to challenge you to answer in 60 seconds or less for the next question um, who should in your opinion who should lead efforts to attract and interview sales candidates is that is that hr is that the the, the sales manager their, their direct potential manager or is that perhaps another department
1: Great question. Depends on the size of the company. Uh, for a very large company, it could certainly be uh, the recruiting team. Uh, for companies that maybe do not do not have a recruiting team, certainly HR. And then in other situations, uh, the sales manager can as, as well. So all of those departments need, need to be involved. It Kind of depends upon the, the size of the company. I always recommend uh, designing a process to be as efficient as possible, given that, that size, making sure everybody works together. But all of them can, and they each do so in different ways.
0: I don't feel bad at all now. You did that in about 40 seconds. Good work. That's good work.
1: <laughs> I get a little bit oh. of practice here and there.
0: <laughs> okay, so how can how can HR pros help to align sales competencies with what's stated on the job spec? Because I'm guessing part of the reason why salespeople will fail is perhaps the job spec doesn't really show what what the job's all about necessarily. Is is, is that fair to say?
1: In many cases, yes. So uh, starting out with, with the job spec, making sure that it's written correctly, making sure that we meet with our subject matter experts, the sales team sales management team understand what's really required of that job day to day and then distill from there the characteristics that we're really looking for what does it really ideally look like when someone's performing to full potential and then what can we do what can we extrapolate in terms of the characteristics that people need to look for that's why we have a worksheet in our book never hire a bad salesperson again that takes you through all of the competencies not only the core skills but also the specialized skills that we found differentiate different sales positions at at the full gamut the full range if you will of of complexity from very simple positions to very complex positions and we walk you through that in our book as well
0: awesome thank you very much um maybe maybe now you can share a little bit around what are some of the personality traits that are critical to determining a salesperson's long-term potential what 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 should that hiring manager in whatever department that is what what should they be looking for to to find someone who will not just join the company and make an impact, but make an impact for for the long haul?
1: Good question. You know, when it comes to someone being successful, particularly in that role of new account acquisition or hunter, if you will, we really look for three characteristics that are relatively non-teachable. Certainly by the time the person's in their late teens, early 20s, not much we can really do to change them. The first one is what we call the need for achievement. And when we talk about the need for achievement, though we're talking about the person who wants to do well, Simply for the sake of doing well. So, that salesperson who's high in need for achievement we find consistently wants to set the bar high, if you will, in terms of their performance. They want to exceed or jump over that. Then they want to set it even higher again the next time. So, they're constantly focused on producing excellence just for the sake of excellence. Not necessarily just motivated by money, but motivated by excellence for its own sake. That's the first piece, need for achievement. The second piece is competitiveness. And the competitive salesperson we find really wants to do two things. Number one, they want to be the best in their team. They're always comparing their performance to their peers because they just need to know how they stack up, if you will. But number two, they want to win that prospect or that client over to their point of view. Because to them, uh, psychologically, we find that sale is kind of like a contest of wills. And then the third piece is optimism. And that's the salesperson's sense of certainty that they will succeed as well as, of course, their resilience to remain persistent when they face the inevitable rejection that a salesperson simply has to deal with that we talked about a few moments ago. So we find it's those three characteristics all together from the research that we've done from over 90 years of academic research, as well as our own work, doing behavioral interviews with sales candidates, circling back with their managers after to find out you know, who consistently is successful over time. It's those three characteristics, need for achievement, competitiveness, and optimism that psychologically create sort of the perfect storm if you will and collectively we refer to those three characteristics as drive keeping in mind the past the age of twenty-one twenty-two not much we can really do to change them whether they're there or they're not so it's all about designing a process a rigorous process of assessment and interview to identify them
0: mints global screening is a leading provider of background screening solutions Customers rely on their professional teams to provide them with vital intel to make informed business decisions on a candidate's suitability or risk level. Their bilingual specialists are highly trained and adept at finding the information necessary to manage your risks and avoid losses. Learn more at mintsglobalscreening.com. Okay, so just a quick follow-up on that one, Chris. Um, Lots of folk perhaps have the perception that salespeople are naturally extroverts. Mm-hmm. Would you would you support that, or um, are, are we way off the mark? It, it, can you be can you be a, a total introvert and still be awesome at sales?
1: Good question. The answer, the short answer is yes. You most certainly can. Uh, this oftentimes oftentimes the stereotype that someone is extroverted and that means they're going to be successful in sales. Not so at all. Uh, you can have people who are introverted. Oftentimes, companies will fall back on a shorthand, if you will, of hiring someone or looking for candidates who have a background that would suggest extroversion. For example, the person who, has, who is the um, the head of the fraternity or sorority at school or the person who is uh, the, the captain of every team that they were on. And yes, those those things can be very important. Certainly, the, the person has uh, a skill of with, with dealing with other people. That can certainly be helpful. However, in many cases, Oftentimes, the person, rather than just the person who is gregarious or an extrovert, the person who is working hard to put themselves through school, who maybe maybe has what we would call quiet drive, can do quite well in a sales role. Because again, it's that need for achievement. You know, of the three elements of drive, need for achievement is the most important, the one that we weight the most heavily, the person who wants to do well for its own sake. So yeah, you can have someone who has great relationship skills, who's very persuasive, but those things are teachable. We can build those in people. Whereas past the age of 21, 22, not much we can do to change drive, either it's there or it's not. So it's that need for achievement piece that is so critical. So if someone is just gregarious, that's nice. that's it's nice that that candidate has that skill. Wonderful. Underneath the surface, though, I want to know, do they really have that need for achievement? Because that is really much more important.
0: That's fascinating. So um, once you're past sort of 21-ish, mm-hmm. your, your, your mind frame is set. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yes, relative to that particular characteristic, need for achievement. Now, other things we can build. We can build, for example, uh, confidence. You know, the, the the thick skin, if you will. We can build persuasiveness, uh, that enjoyment, that ability to move that sale from the first call to the second call to the close. We can build relationship skills, as I mentioned. We can even build organizational skills. All of those things are teachable. But those three non-teachables: need for achievement, competitiveness, and optimism. Past the age of about 21, 22. Not much we can really do to change those, therefore it 's much better ideally to hire for those characteristics that we cannot teach, and keep in mind that we can build the ones that we can i'd much rather if we 're going to ha- hire somebody for a hunter role, bring on somebody who has those non teachable elements and then teach them uh, relationship skills, teach them persuasion rather than getting uh, really kind of falling for the candidates that have great persuasive skills or great relationship skills and are fantastic charmers, but underneath the surface don 't have drive in fact. That is what typically leads to the phenomenon we discussed a few moments ago, where the sales manager feels burned by bringing the person on board that looked great in the interview, but ends up underperforming, ends up costing those six to seven figures. That is a very typical
0: phenomenon. So some of our regular listeners will know that uh, in a previous podcast life, I I was the host of various sales-focused podcast. So this this is uh this is a treat for me chatting to you today Chris. But um uh, the the flip side of that is I've got so many questions for you which means I keep needing to challenge you to answer in short periods of time so we can get through them. So in 60 seconds or less again mm-hmm. uh what specific elements of a sales candidate's resume indicate high drive?
1: Uh specifically you want to look at three things. Uh number one you want to find the person that Uh, is more of a passive candidate than an active candidate typically, because as you can imagine, if someone's been actively out there looking in the world of sales for a while, there can be a good reason for it. Uh, Number two, we often recommend looking for the individual who's not a job hopper, so they have some longevity in the positions they've held and number three, we recommend looking for the individual that is able to provide some sort of metrics to show they have been successful previously. Of our clients, those that consistently get candidates scoring high in drive, we've asked them, what do you look for? It's those three things that that tend to suggest, you know, in a person's resume that they will be successful.
0: Okay. Um, I've got another follow up for you. So that's an extra question. Um, the, the job hopper thing that you just mentioned there.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So uh, Gen Z is my lot millennials we're known for job hopping quite a lot certainly earlier in our careers mm-hmm. is that is that a fact or should that be factored into a hiring manager's decisions you know if, if they're if they're hiring candidates under a certain age uh should should they accept the fact that there may have been various jobs which only held perhaps a year 18 months at a time up to you know getting sort of 10 years into a career say
1: Of course. Good question. Yes. So uh, immediately after school, generally we'll uh, give some flexibility to the person who needs to move around a little bit, kind of understanding where their natural place is, the the sort of position that they enjoy the most, uh, where they fit in the best. Certainly, we give them, you know, a couple of a couple of jobs, if you will, to, to kind of find that natural match. But if it's if it's you know years and years and years, decades of kind of moving around again and again and again, you start to see a pattern. You know the best predictor of future behavior is previous behavior. So, past the first couple of jobs, if the person is doing that every year and a half, you know, consistently nonstop, you can pretty you can pretty solidly predict that that's likely to emerge for you going forward. So, uh, just sort of uh, be, be wary of that when you bring the person on board
0: okay my next question is somewhat loaded i would admit um chris is there an assessment to test sales candidates for drive before hiring them
1: indeed yes that is our focus the the drive test assessment uh, goes after those non-teachable pieces, if you, if you will, really the key distinction with the only assessment that measures drive, need for achievement, competitiveness, and optimism. And we do in a way to eliminate faking. That's one of the biggest problems that many many assessments can have, as you can imagine, particularly with sales candidates. They get very easy for a candidate to size up the test, figure out what it's looking for, and essentially fake their way through it. So we use a question format designed to eliminate faking. And then again, that goes after those non-teachable characteristics is administered in a relatively short time, about 20 minutes, and gives you results in an easy to to digest and uh, easy to use format, if you will.
0: Okay. You've piqued my interest now, Chris. Uh, What are some of those interview questions that our audience can use to assess the drive in sales candidates then?
1: Oh, sure. So sitting down with a candidate, We know the best predictor of future behavior is previous behavior so it's all about asking the candidate questions in the interview that reflect you know behaviors they've engaged in the past that reflect those characteristics we'd like for them to show for us going forward so for example when it comes to need for achievement one of my favorite questions is what kinds of sacrifices have you had to make to be successful what does that person consider to be a sacrifice was it maybe they had to work a couple weekends last year or was it something more substantial Now compare that to the kinds of sacrifices you've seen your top performers have to make over time. Or tell me about the greatest goal you've ever accomplished professionally. Really have the person describe that to you, then you can reflect back to them. You've got to be proud of that. How do you tend to top it? Again, the person high in need for achievement has a plan to top it and they're excited about the chance to tell you about it. Or for competitiveness, when was the last time you were competitive at work? What did that look like? Really understand, really want to look for the person that enjoys competitions, enjoys the opportunity to get into them, and for uh, for optimism. Tell me about a time when you remain persistent even though everyone else around you gave up now tell me about another time you know getting those consistent examples
0: awesome thank you very much uh what are what are some onboarding steps that hr teams can use to maximize a new salesperson's success
1: good question the first 90 days uh, for any salesperson are critical you know that's when the new employee either bonds or fails to bond with the team as we talk about in the book so day one we recommend really setting the tone day one is so important having a first day ritual in place something consistent a system that's worthy of a superstar People will where they meet as many of the critical team members as possible and then importantly during the first week number two having what we call a mission meeting where we really flesh out the company's goals we flesh out the salesperson's goals that's very important understand what's really important to them as a person and then how are you going to work together to achieve those goals really kind of getting that alignment and then number three Having regular check-ins during the first month, at least once a week for the first month, to catch any issues that might slow the person's momentum. Again, we walk you through those in the book with worksheets, but making sure those three steps are in place for onboarding.
0: This guy is just a wealth of knowledge, listeners. He knows his stuff. Um, Okay, so, listen, sales is a dynamic role. And it's Mm -hmm. affected uh, by factors such as such as the markets and my goodness me it's a volatile it's a volatile context that we're living in right now and of course it's impacted by by hitting targets which of course is impacted by what that context is what the markets are in the first place how often therefore should compensation be reviewed for for sales employees
1: well at least once per year we want to make sure that we're evaluating it to make sure that it's, it's it still fits our goals if you will. It's important to keep in mind that, you know, when companies are thinking about the extent to which they want to have a compensation plan that's more commission based or more, more based salary, generally we find a combination is the, the, the best. Uh, sometimes companies will ask, should they cap the salesperson's compensation? And if at all possible, we recommend against that, particularly for a hunter role. And it's a subtle distinction, but the person motivated by need for achievement wants to continue to produce. They want to continue to excel uh, but they're not just motivated by money, they're motivated by doing well for its own sake. But when we put a cap on how much they can make, it's almost like telling an athlete before a game, no matter how many points you score, we're only going to put, say, 10 on, on the scoreboard. We're not going to put any more than that. And so psychologically, that does something to them. It's not that they're just motivated by money, but money is how they show how well they've done, if you will. So it's a, it's a subtle distinction, but allowing that person hiring for a team to score as many points as possible, if you will, will maximize the chance that they will. So that's an important distinction related to compensation that kind of interacts with those characteristics that we talked about, particularly need for achievement.
0: We are flying through these loads of questions today here, Chris, you're doing extremely well. And they all tie into the fact that in January of 2022, you released the second edition of your book, Never Hire a Bad Salesperson Again, in which you detail the psychological research and practice in identifying the non-teachable personality traits common to top producing salespeople, of course. Now take a minute or two, please, Chris, and and tell our listeners about the book and, of course, how they can get a copy.
1: Of course. Yeah, Never Hire a Bad Salesperson Again really distills everything that uh, that we've been doing the last what, over 20 years now, you know, every, every, all, all the steps that you need, and it does so in a very, a very concise way, every, all the steps that you need to bring someone on board who's going to produce well for you. You can get the book on uh, amazon.com, Never Hire a Bad Salesperson Again. It's also available on our website, salesdrive.info. So I, I provide not only all of those uh, all of those questions that we talked about uh, we talked about today, several several more uh, that you can use in the interview, as well as the interview guides that you can use a scrollable interview guide. And then we we talk about all of the other steps involved in, in planning the person's role. Uh, in interviewing effectively in uh, all of the uh, psychological tips that I often provide to uh, to audiences. Uh, The the clinical knowledge, if you will, that can be very helpful during an interview to really uncover all of the details that a candidate might otherwise hide from you and make sure that you're going into new hire with your eyes wide open. So yes, never hire a bad salesperson again available on amazon.com.
0: Or amazon.ca or amazon.co.uk, depending on where you are in the world. Indeed. <laughs> chris before we wrap up for today how can our listeners connect with you so maybe that's through linkedin maybe you want to share your email address maybe you're super cool and you're all over tiktok who knows and also of course <laughs> how, how can how can they learn more about sales drive
1: thank you the best way is just salesdrive.info salesdrive.info where you can uh, get a complimentary assessment so any of your listeners who are hiring salespeople can get a complimentary drive test they can find out about more about partnering for us and if there's one thing i'd like them to remember it's that when you combine the online assessment of drive with the interview techniques that we talked about today you'll absolutely stack your team with championship quality high performance sales athletes Salesdrive.info. info
0: okay well usually at this point uh i just say well that just leaves me to say thank you but before i say that i just want to say i'm so impressed with your rapid fire answers but the depth of of the answers, you know, the, Thank the you. depth of knowledge within your knowledge within your answers. That, that, I'm, I'm uh, yeah, I'm, I'm taken aback, Chris. Good work. I can tell that you've spent 20 years of your life doing it. Um, so that does Thank you so much. Now. Absolutely. And um, that, all, all that leads me to say now, Chris, is I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for being my guest on this episode.
1: Bill, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much again for the opportunity to be of service. I greatly appreciate
0: it. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working.